This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Educational Triage. This week, we are going to explore strategies and resources that can help bridge the gap and better prepare teachers for alternative settings. And of course, to help me with all of that, we have the fabulous philanthropic Philip. Philanthropic? <laughs> Aloha. Good to see you. Yeah. I haven't been philanthropic. I've been more philanthropic in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and as as we go into this, make sure that you hit that subscribe button, make sure that you give us a like, and make sure that you share it. Okay, so preparing teachers for alternative ed, sometimes crossing the path between tr traditional education and going into alternative ed, or even taking novice teachers and bringing them into the fold, it's a little tricky because the learning curve is so great. Yeah, it's a, and it's a different sort of approach to everything. It is, and there's been virtually no exposure, really, at the university or the college training level. So you're going to have to, there's, there's something about looking through another prism, having a completely different paradigm shift when you come through. Yeah. Now, one thing that you will notice is the resistance of veteran teachers who come into alternative ed because they've been assigned to it, or they think it's going to be a lot easier, they can't make that <laughs> shift so easily. Yes, it's made more difficult by the fact that they can't make that shift in their head. It's absolutely <laughs> true. It's really a hard thing to change. If you're used to the mainstream way of thinking, to get to the alternative ed. Hmm. Yeah. It, no, it, it I, is. I, I, I remember just starting going, really, I can do that? Oh, yeah. And then things started to build, but I had to learn how to reassess and how to like test different ways. And and then I learned that the kids had different abilities. I mean, holy cow. This is kind of crazy stuff. Even your classroom management style is completely, it, yeah. it's shifted. It's shifted. Now, as I said before, I was very fortunate because when I first moved into alternative ed, I had a mentor. Yeah, you were, and, you were very, very fortunate. And she rode my donkey. She really <laughs> did. She was awesome, but she rode me, and she rode everybody else. 
she wanted to make sure that we understood everything. I mean, if I was doing something and she and she sensed a misstep, bam, 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 she was just right there in front of me like a jackrabbit and questioning me, saying, what are you doing? And then we go through it. And then she always had a reason or a rationale and she would school me. And it, there was no malice. There were some times that I think that she was exasperated. There are times that I wish that she, I could put her in a jar and shake her. But, <laughs> then but vice versa, I imagine. Oh, I, you know, I'll bet you anything. I mean, we're nuts. <laughs> here's something you didn't know. My mother always called us little ABCs. Arguments for birth control. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So Arguments for birth control. <laughs> I always say to kids, like, I'm starting to whine, go, listen, I don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> but the worst thing, because it it is difficult for a veteran teacher to shift out of that mode of thinking and completely realign themselves. And I have seen it. I've even seen it with people from alternative ed moving to another alternative ed program where they could not, they could not give in. And I think it all comes down, hold on. I think it all comes down to that one maxim that we need to have the Joe McQueen maxim, leave your ego at the door. Yeah. And flex, it's just the flexibility of, of mind and thought. If you're in right. a different situation, don't try to make it your situation. You're the guest. You need to figure things out and expand, explore, explore the space, as they say. But mm -hmm. I don't know why anybody would come into an environment. Okay, I don't like this environment, so I'm going to change it. It's like, hey, whoa, hold on, Turbo. You know, it's it's just not something you do right off the bat. <laughs> right. And a lot of times they want to be the center focus. Yeah. Or they just want things their way. I mean, just I'm not used to it this way. I want it that way. Mm -hmm. So and there's no discourse. There's no discourse with anybody because generally speaking, hopefully you have a team that works with you. And if you can't communicate with that team, it's it's simply not going to work. And we had a team. I've always had a team. Yeah. And whether or not I was a team leader or just a member of the team, we always had that team and we would always try to work with each other and there was a communicate. Network. It was um, when I was the, lo the longer, the longest place I worked at, um, there was a team and then there was a network outside the team at, say, other high schools, other alternatives on site there. And there was a kind of an interaction, um, an openness. You're like, I've got this student. They'd be best for your program. What do you think? Yeah, send them over. We'll look at them. Do you think they're interested? Yeah, I think they are. Or, you know, I tell kids, this isn't working for you. Maybe we try this program. And I could do these things. And we could do these with phone calls between teachers at the time, which was right. quite the network. It's It was an expanded team. I saw these people quite often. Yeah, no, they were a team, really. It, they were just everywhere. And, and it worked out so well. And by the way, you're talking about mentors. Um, I didn't really have a direct mentor. Um, I had a great imagination and I was really given a lot of freedom. But what I did get was mentors, the team, 
the mm-hmm. other teachers in the building. They were the pros and mm-hmm. I learned from them as much as I could. And they were the best. So right. I had sort of a gang, a gang of mentors. <laughs> right. So we're going to be covering all these things. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think that, and, and one thing that we, we have a list of different components that go into um, the teacher prep of things that should or could be in place. And I'm going to say this all with the major caveat that you need to have people who are prepared, people who know their shiz, people mm-hmm. who have the energy and the patience and the time and 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 the support. Because without that, nothing's going to happen. And it's, I don't know you're just not going to be able to be as effective in training. So let's start off with the first one. And that would be having a comprehensive training program. Now you didn't have a comprehensive training program. No, I didn't really have a comprehensive one either. I just had a mentor and we're going to get into mentorships. Yeah. But that's key. So when I was leaving, when I was leaving the juvenile facility, the residential facility. And then when I was leaving my last job, the one thing I did was I created a handbook for the teachers about what major, whoever was going to take over the directorship, I put in what are things that they need to know. Also, I put in the the handbook for the other teacher of things that they should be aware of of how things for the most part worked. Mm-hmm. And before I left, I handed those over to my, what do I call it? I should call them my, um, my inheritor, my heir, right? The person who's taking my place. I handed yeah. it over to them and I said, here, now these are yours. And he went through it and He's like, what is this? And I said, well, these are the things that you're responsible for. This is how all the different components work. And then here, this should help you in working with the new person. And I had started writing that a year previously. So I had time to think about it. And the reason why I wanted to do that was because I didn't want the next person to come in not really knowing what was what. And he had that in his hands from the day, first day actually, about what it is that was expected of him as far as what he was going to do. Now, it didn't say you will show up at this time, you will do this, you will do that, da, da, da. It's basically, here are the policies that we have and here's how we do them. And so that made it, it was, it was more of an easy shove not even, it was more of a nudge in the right <laughs> direction. So it was easy yeah. for me to say, are you understanding? Do you have questions? Because once you had that, once I had that manual for him, then that meant we're in a new learning experience. If you just say, look, I'm going to show you the ropes. That doesn't mean a whole lot. Not anymore. No. Things are too complicated. 
So if it's in writing, yeah. If it's in writing, then they can take notes and they can put that down. They could also add to it because yeah. because I gave them editing rights over it. The rubric. Yeah. There's, there's also, I passed down uh, a spreadsheet that actually got passed to me for grading that calculated oh, really? and did really quite well and uh, had some structures in place uh, and taught them to my peers. And they sort of liked it. They sort of adapted it. It made grades go a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So a lot of exchange of information is good, specifically <laughs> spelled out is better. Yeah. And if you have a comprehensive strategy or some kind of training rubric that whoever's yeah. doing the training has as well as the trainee. But then you also have to know the program really well, and you have to be ready to answer questions. So that can take some extra time. Yeah, that's an interesting feat. I would love to tackle that one. It's the sicko teacher in my mind going, okay, that's a challenge. Let's try it. (laughs) Because the other things that you want to incorporate in there are the theoretical as well as the practical skills. Yeah. But you don't want to cover it with too much detail because you'll lose everything. So everything has to be sort of organized mentally for everyone to see it and work with it. There's a lot of flexibility in in alternative ed anyway, but some things are tried and true. Um, They're hard to explain, though. I think once you start, you have to set them up so that they can be apparent. So you learn by doing. Yes. And Definitely. that's where the questions come in. How how do you know X, Y, and Z is happening? Because here's what you look for. Here's how you create it. I've learned a lot through, through just doing and failing and failing forward and learning that way. And also having the kids tell me what's working for you and what's not working. What would you like on this? So I can take those projects, I can put them into a file folder or a binder for later use for curriculum, but I do that after I've gone through what the students have given me and I edit them Mm -hmm. and I try to make it better. And then when you try it again, just remember you don't have the same students, so you might want to see how that works for these new students and always be... Even with your novice, if you're training somebody or if you're being trained, Mm. have questions and listen to the answers and try to work with those answers and see where you can go with it. Because alternative education is you're not a know-it-all. You may know quite a bit. You may feel like it's your job to impart knowledge, but it's not really your job. Your job is to learn from the students and to see what works with the students and guide them through their journey of getting that knowledge. Teachers aren't know-it-alls. Yeah. They're, they're facilitators and mentors and, and right. things. Like, you know, speaking of that, and um, you know, we were going off that list on um, the second part of this list would be mentorships. And I just, I was reading that and it just, I wish, I, I wish I'd go back in time and had a mentor. And then I wished I could mentor somebody 
um, because that system's really important. I would have learned a ton had I had a, a go-to mentor person that was sort of going, oh yeah, that, yeah, you know, here's how it works. And uh, so, you know, you want to get in by now, but da, 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 you know, oh, thank you. You know, I was just kind of wondering. It, it's really helpful. I learned a lot of, speaking of making mistakes and falling forward uh, or failing forward fast. Yeah, it was. I learned that way too. Well, I was fortunate enough to be asked to mentor two different teachers, both of whom had very fragile egos. Uh-oh. And neither one of them who could accept any of it. And they wanted to put themselves, they needed to, they wanted to be top dog. But they never were going to be top dog. Mm -hmm. And because being top dog wasn't being top dog like they wanted. Being top dog was simply the person who handled all the dirty work and guided everybody and trying to guide them didn't always work because they were always jumping the gun and trying to rush to be at the forefront of everything and to challenge. And so that doesn't always work. That is not a person I would like to work with at all. (laughs) Well, one, I didn't have a choice in. Yeah. The second one, I was a little bamboozled. So it you you never know because you think that you know somebody it doesn't mean that they're the perfect choice oh absolutely so but mentoring somebody you need somebody who's pliant and you need to be pliant you need to be ready to learn and you need to be ready all the time to cast off old beliefs because the challenges yes yeah so you're while you're apprenticing yes you know a lot Yes, you may have done this in your student teaching. Yes, you may have done this in your classroom. But now you're in a completely different environment. So now you need to to relearn. And if you're doing it correctly, sure, there's going to be some tension. There's going to be some stress. But when it flows, it flows beautifully. Yeah, that's why I love it so much. And you can get that way. Through any curriculum, you know, you're not bound by curriculum as tightly and things. It's a different learning environment. Yeah, I love it. Right. And then the next thing I think we need to talk about is establishing a professional learning community. Which is like almost my gaggle of, what do I call it? A gang, the gang of mentors that I had. They were definitely a professional learning community. We had meetings every week. Um, Right. And what's really sad is that gaggle of which you speak, and for myself as well, they dwindled because they began retiring and they had all these years of experience with them and they started leaving. And then we had young upstarts who came in who thought that they knew best and they replaced alternative ed with traditional ed, but with social justice. And while I'm not discounting social justice, I'm discounting the fact that they weren't there to learn. They were there to take over. They were. And they didn't want to listen. 
because they knew best what was going to happen. And so I was working, I tried to reach out and work with other people in the alternative ed community in the district that I worked in, and they put up a wall. And they said, no, 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 we're fine. We're doing just fine where we are. We have it down. We know what we're doing. And what they were doing was they were doing everything on the computer. They were using a computerized, everything was online. And I said, what about the kids who don't do well online? They said, well, they're going to have to learn it, aren't they? And I thought, well, no, because that's not fair to the kids. So we had a robust curriculum. And I was trying to share that with them, and they didn't want to hear any of it. And the district didn't want to hear any of it either um, because they didn't know any better. And they had a director of alternative education who didn't know any better as well and didn't, who was never, who was never trained in alternative ed. He was a mainstream educator who found himself looking for a job, found it at an alternative school and was there and thought, oh, this is really easy. I don't have to really do anything. Just let everybody run it. And that was it. Not knowing better isn't the problem. I mean, I don't know better. Well, it is, because if you don't know better, you need to ask questions. not wanting to know any better. Exactly. (laughs) Not being willing to be flexible of mind to go, oh, yeah, maybe I should listen to some people because they might know something I don't. And that's, you know, that it's unbelievable that someone in alternative ed would think that way. Mm -hmm. Well, I do know everything and you don't offer anything new to me because alternative ed is just the opposite. It's very foundation. I want to learn about everything. And there wasn't, there was a director of alternative ed. I think I brought this up before, but Mm -hmm. who thought that they knew everything that there was to know about alternative and had absolutely no idea about the laws. Yeah. I did all my research. I did my checking. My cohort was also working with me on this, and she was the one who found it. And then I called I called the Metropolitan School District, and they put me in touch with the head of alternative ed for that district. And she called me, and she said, let's go do drinks. Let's go out and let's chat. Well, that was a bad time for me to go out and chat. And I said, I'd love to, but I don't really have the time or the wherewithal right now. And, but, you know, there was that that happened. There are, there are people who reach out to you, possibly from other districts. We have the Department of Education who's reached out. We started the state organization. And so it's just finding these people and finding out what the alternative programs are and just getting in contact with them. Um, you'll find that a lot of them want to share and a lot of them have a lot of questions. Yeah. And they want to commiserate. Quite a network. It is. You know, I mean, once you start building a network, it doesn't stop. And the nice part about it is I remember at my first alternative ed job, I looked at my boss and I said, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm starting to get, I, I kind of feel like I'm done here. I need a new adventure in order to move on. And she looked at me and she said, seriously? And I said, yeah. And she said, okay, go look, but I'm going to hold on to your job. You tell me when. And I said, okay. 
and I went out job hunting. I had multiple interviews. I had offers from around the country. I went to, and but none of them felt right. And then a friend of mine who I met through networking let me know about this other job, and I applied for it. And I went and I had my first interview, and I was waiting for my second interview. And my former boss called me and she said, I need to know. I have to advertise. Are you taking, do you have a job? Are you coming back? And I said, I'm not coming back. Something just feels right about this one. And I had my second interview and she and I stayed in contact for many years afterwards. And it, because it was because of her that I made all these contacts. Mm. So you have to be open to these experiences in learning, getting into the PLCs, getting into the networking opportunities will also lead to our next point, which is access to research and resources. Yeah. Good point. Finding there's not a whole ones. lot. No, there's not. <laughs> well, there's no, okay, there are some and there are less good ones. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it's difficult. It's sort of being made up. Well, it's, it's sort of being made up in a way that is not disciplined. If the issue about the alternative or the approach to the alternative is to be a discipline program or a behavior program, then that's not the same as a true alternative program, of course. So. You bring up a really strong point there. It's, it's, you shouldn't have to deal with a discipline because if you're doing your job as an educator and yeah. you're keeping them safe, wanted, welcome, heard, right, and safe, then the learning comes. I think so. I, I really, really believe that. It, it's you don't have the behavior issues in the alternative environment if it's a good alternative education environment. Right. You talked about that student led, student centered. Uh -huh. You know, yeah, it's all those things lead to a comfortable place to learn for the student if you're doing it correctly. I had a young lady who was all over the place chipper and had tons of energy and, you know, a little bit of an attitude. And, and uh, she was a great student. I loved her. She loved being at the school. And one day she came in and said, uh, look, my boyfriend bought me this Christmas present I said, or, or birthday present. I said, oh, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Do you want to see it? And I said, yeah. And she unzipped her backpack and pulled out a dive knife with a blade about seven inches long. Oh, wow. It was like huge. It was like, shoot, you done shoot this suck. I go, dude, that's a <laughs> weapon. And she goes, it is. I go, yeah. And so I went to my administrator who just happened to still be on the building working. It was the evening school program. She's still working. And I told her what happened. She goes, Okay, send her in here. I'm going to scare the bejeebas out of her and send her home and make sure, you know, I, I, you know, because technically, obviously, we could have called the SWAT on a knife like that. Oh, the yeah. kid's just stupid. So we sent her home and she's, you know, she came out white and I said, oh, good job. Scared the heck out of the kid. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. Oh, the blade eight inches long, big shiny one too. Hadn't been scratched. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, she never would hurt anybody. That was the whole thing. Caring again. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. So moving on, let's go to observation and experiential learning. And I think we've been talking about yeah. this, that the best yeah. way to do it is to keep your mouth shut. Just watch, ask questions. Yeah. 
and just experience what's going on and test out ideas. Try out some ideas. Yeah. I had some assistants who are also student teachers. They they needed to have the experience as a student teacher and they wanted to know, what if I did this? What if I did that? And I was wide open to it. And I said, let's see what happens. Give it a shot. And then as they were doing it, I would give them comments and I would say, have you thought about, have you thought about, have you thought about? And it worked. And so now they're doing very well in teaching. Not an alternative ed, but they're but that's taking some of the tenets of alternative ed and applying it to the mainstream. Yeah, good for classroom. them if they're applying that to the mainstream. And and right. the experiential learning too, like I was speaking about the student and the knife. You know, you can pass stuff like that on. Say, so, yeah, um, yeah, through my experience I've learned, you know, I'll give you give you that anecdote right there. <laughs> um, you can learn a lot. There's that's what I loved about alternative ed. It's like you think of a curriculum and grading and this and that. But it's just being with kids and being in a good environment with kids and, and you just feed off that. It does so right. much. <laughs> and listening to them. Yeah. And, and giving her the lesson of, you know, okay, the administrators said send her into me and I'm going to scare her to death. You know, it's like, it's teamwork and it's very best, you know? Right. And, and thanks for taking the hit for me, by the way. <laughs> she was the boss. We had to talk to the principal, you know, and she knew she was in trouble, but there you go. There you go. And that brings us to collaborative partnerships. <laughs> it does, yeah. That means that if you're working with a team, you all collaborate. You work with each other. You do. And yeah. With yeah each other. It's not, not at each other. Well, <laughs> it's not. Well, Kelly does this in my class. Well, Kelly doesn't do that in my class. What are you doing wrong? No. It's not that. No, it's, no, it's not that. No. Oh, if Kelly's doing that in your class, then here's something that works for me. Yes. Or, you know, Kelly and, has Or have you tried, did you know, Kelly comes in and and has had a really, really, really rough couple of days. Absolutely. We haven't seen Kelly for a couple of days. Kelly comes in just not looking good at all has none of the work done. What do you do? One of my former peers would have taken Kelly into another room and just berated him and yelled. Him, her. What you should do is check in with Kelly. What's going on? How are you doing? What do you need? Because the well-being of that student is far more important than the work. Yeah, and once the student knows that, the work will eventually get there. But go ahead. Well, the kid who called me about the tractor. You know, I told the, the kid was in danger of getting out, kicked out of the program, and uh, so he got arrested. I told him mm -hmm. it was Halloween. Don't do anything stupid. So he stole the tractor. Right. <laughs> but I got the phone call in the morning. Um, because he didn't want to get kicked out of the program. He used his phone call on me. Now, I didn't say a thing about school except for you're golden. Trust me, you've called. That's, you have a mm -hmm. great excuse. You're in jail. You know, uh, I do need a note because <laughs> that's the procedure. But, you know, and after that, 
you know, and give me the number of the people I can call for you because you use your phone call on me. And yeah. that's it. That's a, you know, school's like, we'll figure that out later. And I own a piece of you right now, but don't worry about that. It's like, when you get back, I'm going to just give you such a hard time and then we'll get back to work. You know, that sort of thing. You bring up a really important part, which is the collaboration between your peers, but also with the students and with the families. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. I've done more of that than I ever thought it, I ever would. And, thank and you. when we were doing our, um, our internships, we also had the, the, the community also looked out for our kids. They would call and they would say, I'm really worried about this kid. What's going on? Yeah. And while I couldn't divulge certain information, I could just say, all I can tell you is that they're having a really rough time. What's going on? What do we need to do? Yeah, I remember that. I used to feel so good about that. I'd say, you know, I, I can't tell you anything, and and uh, but I can tell you. Let's let's do this. Let's be extra. You know, let's be extra patient with so and so, or just help them out. It's rough times here. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good to collaborate as a community. It was really a community. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes they gripe about other teachers, you know, but it was always respectful, and it was loving. Like they hated one teacher's tech requirement. And they'd always gripe about, oh, this tech requirement, Mr. Sons on the tech requirement. I hate this class. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And later, of course, you know, they're like, some of them went into tech. You know, it's like craziness. But they they loved it. They knew it was valuable, but they complained. And they knew it was a safe <laughs> place. And I go, if you say anything more, I'll tell Mr. Helix. Oh, he knows. Oh, still on that one. But yeah. That's how do you see that? Okay. Ongoing professional development. This is the this is a really tricky one. That one's really hard. Because well, we did something which was what what was it called? Something college? Colleague college. college. Colleague college. Colleague college, where we would eat where we would teach each other something, or we'd all get together and we would learn about um drug use and how those showed up on the UAs because at that time UAs were being done. And in my last program, we had to do UAs because if they were going out in the community and a lot of our jobs working around industry, they had to have, we had to know that they were clean. We actually, we haven't mentioned that a lot, but in these programs that uh, Tony and I had worked with, almost all of them, they required a clean UA Mm -hmm. to get into And it didn't mean that you were kicked out. You just had to demonstrate that you were going to some form of. Well, it's an assessment first. Yeah, you get an assessment and then whatever the assessment says, then you you go ahead and do it. Yeah. Sometimes it was therapy or treatment. Sometimes it was just meetings, awareness meetings, things like that. Right. So. The next step would be reflective practice and getting peer feedback. So possibly keeping a journal. Peer feedback's a tough one because we all work in our own rooms. Um, And then when you try to team teach, you know, you're almost becoming a collaborative sort of unit. Hopefully. 
yeah, hopefully. And if you're doing it right, you're constantly like reviewing and, and counter reviewing going, you know, I think this, I think that. And so there's sort of mm-hmm. like, it's almost as if there needs to be a camera on the wall, God forbid, in the classroom. <laughs> say, I watched you and you did this and that. <laughs> but I mean, I did that for grad school. I got filmed, um, but I'm not sure how effective it was. I remember reviewed by other teachers. I remember my master teacher for my Oregon license. <laughs> he would look at me, we'd start the day off, and we worked as a team. And we would talk about a lot. But the nice thing was, was that everybody in that department, when I was doing my student teaching for English, I still have the gifts that they gave me because they gave me such personalized gifts when I left. And each one of them mentored me and I saw them again because I used to judge debate contests, debate tournaments, Ah. and speech tournaments. And so I'd bump into them there and we would always talk. It was great. And my master teacher, he we would sit down. He'd say, okay, here's what I'm seeing. What do you think? What are your thoughts on this? And we would go through it and I would say, okay, well, what would you like me to do? No. What do you think needs to be done? That's hard. And it, it was always coming back on me. <laughs> But I had, I was constantly having feedback. The reflective practice, which was something that we had to do for our our classes at the university while we were doing our student teaching, Mm -hmm. that was very helpful to me because I still remember getting up in front of the kids and I came out of it with a drenched shirt. I mean, I was sweating so badly. (laughs) and then I realized I didn't need to be sweating at all that I already knew all this information not much of a poker face there when you sweat (laughs) no Uh, so are you feeling okay (laughs) yes I feel fine (laughs) okay the last component on this would be supportive leadership I think we talked last week about how you engage you know your you can engage your school leaders in alternative ed and you talk to them and you say, okay, well, you know what alternative ed is. And they say, well, yeah, I do. And then nobody ever says, well, what is it then? And watch them stumble. They cannot answer it. It's the same thing as asking a kid, did you understand what we were talking about? Yes, I did. Okay. Tell me what we talked about. Yes. You're just because nobody wants to look the fool. Right. They don't have the nerve to ask the questions because they don't care. It's not something that weighs heavily on their mind. They feel as though you're taking care of them. And so it's not their problem. Whereas it is their problem. And it should be at the forefront because these are the students who need more. They need more resources. They need more money in a sense in order to, the programs need more money in order to carry the students through because there's so much remediation that has to happen for for a typical kid who is in alternative ed 
They need to work on their mathematics. They need to work on their writing. They need to work on their reading. They need to work on just about everything. And how are you going to do that unless you have leaders who are going to support you and tell you, you know what? I've been looking at some at some conferences. Maybe you should go to one of these. We will fund you to go to these. Yeah, I was asked, you know, a couple of times, please do this. It was like, I want you to do this. I went, okay, then I'll do it. And we went up yeah. as a team once, the whole the whole fam damily. Um the three other teachers that I worked with, so four of us went up to Seattle and oh, did cool. a thing. And uh, yeah, good time. So we were encouraged at that point. But then again, mm-hmm. that's the good story. That's the good administrator, the supportive administrator who would do that. Right. And she was. So there you go. So what you, I mean, I would supply my administrators with all kinds of intel, with all mm-hmm. kinds of information. And then I would come, and then one of them, I gave them the rubrics and the assessments, the internal assessments from the yeah. NAEA. And I looked at him and I said, so I would like you to do sort of an assessment on the programs using that rubric. And he said, what rubric? And I said, the one I gave you. I said, I put it in a binder for you. And he goes, oh. I said, do you have it? And he goes, where'd you get that from? He had shredded it and used the binder for something else. Oops. Jeez. And I'm like, dude. But you know, usually I know if the information in it is worthless or not. <laughs> I try to keep an open mind. Maybe I should read this first. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, did I look at that or just shred that? I can't tell. So. <laughs> In conclusion for tonight's show, I would have to say the first thing to do is to leave your ego at the door. The second one is to remember you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Third one is you have eyes. You have two hands. You can be journaling, observe, question, ask, learn. I don't care if you're 50 years old. I don't care if you're 25 years old. There's always something more to be learned. If people thought that you were you were the shiz before, and that's why you're going into alternative ed, show them what makes you the shiz, that mm. you are open to learning, that you are open to change, that you can go in there and you can go into this new world without having to colonize it with your old beliefs. May I quote Jimmy Buffett? Don't ever forget that you just may wind up being wrong. That's true. Mm. So keep an open mind. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you, Philip. Thank you, Tom. So remember to click that like button. Remember to click that subscribe button. And we will see you next week. Adios. Aloha.